Hey, I want to talk to you about a very special podcast that is going into its second season, Veronica Mars Investigates. Their second season is going to premiere on March 24th, and a little bit about Veronica Mars Investigates. It is a very, very cool recap podcast, and if you like very, very cool recap podcasts like this one, you're probably going to like that one. It's hosted by Jenny Owen Youngs from the hit Buffy recap podcast, Buffering the Vampire Slayer, and Helen Zaltzman from the award-winning entertainment podcasts, The Illusionists, and Answer Me This. They are podcast royalty, and they have come together to create this show about the Veronica Mars television show. And if you haven't watched Veronica Mars television show, it is a teen comedy drama thriller noir. You can hear the first season of Veronica Mars Investigates now on all the podcast places and at vmipod.com. But season two, March 24th, get ready. You'll enjoy it. This is a story about them, says the man on the radio. And you are concerned, because this is not a story you were ever supposed to hear. Good morning, Night Vale. Hello, everybody. I'm Hal Lublin, your Jewish friend. Oh, and I'm Symphony Sanders, your black friend. And I'm Meg, and I'm not your friend. Wow. Oh, I'm your oh, best friend. Oh! oh. <laughs> Twist and turn and around. All right. Well, here we are. We've g- gathered, we've collected ourselves on the internet, and we are here to talk to you about a podcast called Welcome to Night Vale, which is probably a podcast that you heard of, is my guess. But if you haven't heard of Welcome to Night Vale, then um, I would recommend going to look that podcast up first before listening to this one, just to give yourself a little bit more context, because this is the podcast that talks about the other podcast. Wise words. Yeah. Wise words. Truer words never spoken. Oh, except for these words, because it's the episode description. The title of this episode seems familiar to you, and it does. Let's talk about it! Before we talk about it, what I want to talk about how we sync uh, our recordings. <laughs> I think you should. We use um, a website. T- tell them about it. This is this is Meg's. Meg gets full credit for this. We go to a site <laughs> called time.gov and then Just go there. So that yeah, everybody go to time.gov and we'll wait. We sync up. We choose a point in time and and we all clap and that syncs us up. But this website is like a GeoCity site. I'm counting right now. I see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine different fonts. And <laughs> the actual usable area of the website is like the size of a postage stamp. <laughs> yes, it is a government website, time.gov, to which I said your tax dollar at work. I mean, it definitely didn't cost anything. It can't be cost. It, it was designed it by someone anything. who was. It was designed by like a college freshman in 1998 who was learning to code. They were like, for your assignment, you have to make a website. And they're like, oh, how about time? And then, and now here we are with this website. <laughs> oh, if you, by the way, if you click on the about this site, you will get a a worse version of the site with a bunch of broken images. <laughs> <laughs> I just, just, I just wonder if you could put like you know like a skin on it. Do you know what I mean? Like to make yeah. it like look more modern. I want to wrap my screen in skin so I don't have to look at this. <laughs> well. well, 
is our audio synced? Are you listening to us synced right now? Yeah. Because if you are, then you know it's working. <laughs> Everybody uh, clap once you have gotten to the site and gotten over your shock. <laughs> Sync your claps. <laughs> it'll it'll be a clap heard around the world. Yeah. The whole world will applaud. It'll be in the news. Trending worldwide. World claps. Well, let's talk about this episode. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was a worthy you like that segue? side tangent. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for digging me out of that. <laughs> well, that's what I'm here for, baby cakes. Um, so we're back in this format as we were in a story about you, which was a break away from what the normal format of the Night Vale episodes are. And while Cecil is still our narrator, obviously, this story is being driven by the actions of them. Uh, who are they? It's questionable. I don't know. I don't know who they is. Um, a man who's not tall and a man who's not short, which, by the way, in my brain, I'm like, do you think they're like the same height? Yes, they have to be, right? Right? Or close in height. Like 5'7 to 5'9, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, or like one of them's 5'8, one of them's 5'10. Right, right, or right. Or 5'7, seven, five, yeah, something where- Yeah, where it's like, not short. Oh, they're not short. I, what is the cutoff for short? For a man? For a man? For a man. What is a man's cutoff what? for short? What's the cut of a man? Um, I think of, like, probably, like, what, like, five, five, six five, would be six. short for five, a man? Five, six and shorter is short for a man, I okay. guess. And then I think for, like, for ladies or, I don't know, maybe, like, five, three. Wow. For shorter is short. I don't know. <laughs> Feeling very attacked. V attacked right now. Symphony, how tall are you? None of your goddamn business. You shouldn't Fair ask enough. a lady that. No, I'm I am <laughs> five two and a half. It's probably five two and a quarter, but I like to fudge the quarter inch. Sure, sure. And you get on your tippy toes, and then that makes up the other half inch. And yeah. then boom. But five, in personality, seven hundred feet tall. That's right. Yeah. hundred percent. You've never felt short to me, although we do stand next to each other a lot. And I'm smaller. You're very tall. <laughs> right. That's the, that's the thing. I'm not short. You guys are just very tall. <laughs> I love how you wear, like, and we do shows, you wear heels that are, like, yeah. like five inches, and you're still... Oh, that's the best. Not- <laughs> when I... Because, I, you know, we use the same microphone uh, in the show. All the guests do. So when you come out, you adjust the microphone to your height. And right. I'm always the shortest person. So I always feel bad for whoever has to come after me because they have to like fully pull it all the way up. Cause I'm like, even in, <laughs> I'm wearing legit at least three inch heels every show, except for those couple of times that I wore flats, but that was so I could do gymnastics Yeah, I, it, and running. That's always the weirdest part. For that show in particular, it feels weird adjusting the mic because yeah. you, you sort of hit the stage. You know, you're trying to time time it so that there's really no break that you can sort of get right into it. Isn't there? You take you take your space on the stage. Now. I mean, I do, I do. Look, I definitely do, but I also am very aware. I I'm like a big pacing guy. Yeah. So I'm always like, I want to push the pace and go like. Go, 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 especially earlier on, like early Doesn't your in. applause cover your entrance, Hal? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want them to applaud me while – because when they're applauding, I'm trying to stay in the moment. I'm like picturing I'm in the studio and what is that like for Steve? Adjust and meanwhile, the microphone. I should be – look, I'm professional in some ways. 
Isn't that enough? I smile and bask it in as I'm just doing my job, Hal. So okay, it's fine in this script. This spy in the desert, the one that we're touring now, yes. it's fine for my first entrance. But my second entrance, I like sneak on stage. Right, that's true. And so, but I'm also doing something physically with my body to like make it add to the scene. So totally, you're right. I am trying to sneak on stage. And I'm using, like, my arms are, like, waving around, like, wacky with the inflatable arm man. And then I have to stop that to adjust the mic so that people can hear me when I talk. It's always so awkward. I'm always like, well, how do I? And I have, like, a script in my hand. I'm wacky with the inflatable arm man. And I'm trying to be sneaky while adjusting a microphone that is, for some reason, set to three feet below my mouth. (laughs) Uh, That is because of me. Uh, I'm very sorry. And I will, you know what? I'm going to do you a favor. I'm going to raise it up. I'm going to raise you up like Josh Groban. I'll raise you up. (laughs) Here we are again with the groovy. Yeah. But getting back to the episode. Yeah. Tall people versus short people. There, uh, there, there's definitely an airplane element of this to me or, or more, uh, more police squad. I don't know if you, I don't know if either of you watched police squad, the TV show upon which naked gun was based. Girl. I've well, I've assumed, but I you know I don't want to assume. I don't want to assume anybody's seen anything. That gray-haired man, he funny. He is very funny. But this idea that they're listening to their own actions be narrated in real yeah. time, so they can't have a thought or do anything without it being called out. And is sometimes a really they fight against device. it. Yes, but you can't. You can't evade the story that's being told about exactly. them. Yeah, meaning you. It's a yeah. wonderful piece of meta comedy that mm-hmm. that I haven't we haven't seen the, uh, Jeffrey and Joseph dabble in yet, and it's real like it's very well done, and it's it's done enough up front to be funny, and then you're reminded of it later on rather than it rather than it constantly being called out because I feel like if you did that too much, for me listening to it, I I was sort of like oh I hope they don't abuse this this device. Because other, otherwise, if you do, I think it becomes all about the idea of this of this real-time narration rather than any story popping up around it. Well, and I think actually in this episode especially, uh, it actually helped to move the plot line or the storyline that we're following along quite a bit. I was actually really surprised because the last time I felt like it was interesting, like we were following along. And because it was such a new plot device, or I, I thought it was... It was fascinating to like listen to it, but it wasn't really moving necessarily moving a story along until we got to this episode. And then you're like, oh, whoa, these are the, those same dudes that were like, I wonder in my brain, I was like, is the person they picked up you? Do you know what I mean? From right. the story about, is it the story about you, you, or is it a whole new person that they brought in? Right, is it a Rashomon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's what they do. But we were introduced to, okay, so we had already the man who's not tall, the man who's not short, and then we have the boss. The boss wasn't there the last time. Right. The manager. Boss is new. Yeah, the boss is new. But we found out more about the contents of the boxes, which was really cool, um, and how they are the ones who are responsible for the mad people under the bowling alley. Yes, but there's no why. It's like one of those really interesting things yeah. where it's like you're just you're an agent of destruction or you're an agent of chaos, you're an agent of causing this change, this catalyst, but you're 
there's, you don't know why, but you still have to do it. Right. So it's. It was like a fun blend for me of the way I was picturing them was a mix between, um, oh my gosh, why am I blanking on this? What is the movie with uh, John Travolta? Get Shorty? No, uh, the one with Samuel L. Jackson. Oh, Pulp Fiction. (laughs) Uh. Why can't my brain? I was imagining (laughs) them to be those guys, kind of. But Mm -hmm. then also these two characters, uh, Angel and from from a newer show about like interdimensional. Oh, one about the seven kids. No, anyway, it's on Netflix. Uh, Seventh Heaven. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That the was, Brady Bunch, but when Oliver was, was there. Mm-hmm. No, the Umbrella Umbrella group. The one Somebody. on the one on Hulu. Netflix. The Runaways. No, it's on Netflix. The OA. <laughs> Thirteen Reasons Why. Yep. Okay. Queer Anyways, eye, Penny. I I imagine them in suits. Yeah. And. They're kind of an odd couple sort of thing because he's like, I'm all I would invite you over for dinner, but he's never actually going to do that. And that would be nice. And it was interesting to see their repartee going back and forth. So obviously they've worked together for a while, but like their relationship to each other is just based on this job. No. Yes. Yep. I, I, that's what I think. I think is that yeah they they've worked together for a bit. They are, they found themselves in this situation. You know. That they found themselves as a as part of a, a pair a partnership mm-hmm. in this weird thing that they're challenged to do that there is no why for, but it is a violent and destructive thing that they have to do. The way that I imagine them is that they're like not quite whole people, that like they're kind hmm. of shells of people because okay. like they don't have the ability to have actual relationships with each other or have the ability to do anything besides just the work. Like they're almost robotic hmm. she- shell type people because the nature, we don't really get much personality out of them or a feeling out of them. Right. We you, just kind of get their actions. Yes. And the, the, like literally their narrated actions. You definitely feel that, uh, especially towards the end when, spoiler alert, when the new person is like, and I with you too. Like, it's all very weird. Like, no one normally would say that thing to each other. I mean, I just thought it was strange. Like, the way when he says, the same to you. Ah, the same as well to you. It, that's a weird thing to say to somebody that you're going to be working with so closely. And that basically yeah. kidnapped you. My theory about how this whole system of these men who are not tall or short works is that they, it's like a cyclical thing that some determined amount of time they go out, they have to kidnap someone and then they take them out into the desert. And then one of the men who is not tall or is not short is killed and then is replaced by the you. Yeah. And that is what happened in a story about you and a story about them. So you became one of the men. Right. Yeah, the whole the whole thing has such an organized crime feel to it, and I, I the way I read the what they're doing with the buildings from the small the miniature city. Yeah, is, I, I know they're moving them to other warehouses and other uh, deserts. I feel like they in my brain I immediately leapt to oh they're selling them. They're like fencing Ooh. these these buildings which are somehow of value, and that's furthering their interests. And if they're also taking, it's almost like in any mob movie when they move in on another mob take their stuff and then sell it so they're doing two things at once right they're 
furthering their own interests financially, and they're also hurting a rival and and acquiring more territory. It, but the rival is like the little people. Yeah. So, do you think that they're like trying to separate them from each other? I I don't know. It might be one of those things where it's because it's there. Hey, we need that. That's valuable. Okay. So we're gonna okay. take that. We we take what we want. Or maybe something- starting a tiny little war in multiple different places to create upsetness in different places. Yeah, to, to create instability. Yeah, and take advantage yeah. of it. It's it's possible. You know, I didn't. I almost didn't think of it once I locked into the idea of like, oh, these are mobsters. Then it all sort of made sense. And and in my brain, this whole episode was set in the seventies, in like the Scorsese dirty <laughs> New York. Uh, it had that feel to it. So there is that that trope of like the two sort of hired goons that are really detached from it when they sit there and talk to one another and they have that that discussion in the in the moonlight initially. Like they have nothing to say to one another. Right. They're just moving forward. I don't even know if either of them are aware that one of them is going to be gone, or or maybe they are. They each think it's going to be them, and they're just like have have accepted it. Well, I honestly feel like the the one who is not tall was the one who was like in charge, and I put that in quotation marks because he was the one who was always offering the direction, and he was the one who was like the colder of the two. Because mm-hmm. the one who was not short was like kind of goofy and like, and then he started seeing stuff. So uh, that makes me think, Meg, because you said they were like kind of like sh- hollow, like whatever. It's like, what if they were people or whatever, and or they're like some sort of weird clone that like has a shelf life? Do you know what I mean? And they're like, okay, once they're activated and like working for the company or whoever they're working for. Once they start like wearing down, they start seeing these visions because all throughout the episode, he's like, what's that? And the other one was like, what? You know? It's the dark planet. Right? Actually, that actually makes me think uh, a few times I've had this recurring, I don't know if I'd call it a nightmare, but like I was afraid, but like in more in awe of anything where there was like a bit, like I opened the front door to my house this is my parents' house, like two houses ago, and I sw- the planet a planet was as big in the sky as like just like the biggest thing you could see in the sky, bigger than the sun, bigger than any of the other stars or whatever. But you could see like full, like as if it was almost in our atmosphere. And this it's so terrifying, right? Mm. It's like scary because you're like that's not right, that shouldn't be there. But I and that's what I'm imagining is what the one who's not short sees. Yeah, the planet that's so big and so close yeah. and, and dark that you could almost touch it. And as soon as you reach out and touch it- You disappear. You get killed. <laughs> well, and I didn't even think of it as being killed. I thought of it as being reabsorbed into like the cosmos. Isn't that a beautiful way to think of it? Yeah. I, I mean, it, <laughs> it, reads, it reads like he gets stabbed, but is it possible- just right, because the knife. Oh, you're yeah, right. Yeah, he ma- he makes a movement. He moves his hand that has the knife in it, and then all of a sudden, oh, the short right. guy doesn't really exist anymore. So he's he's murdered. Yeah, I I just glossed over. <laughs> I just glossed over that part because I was like, no, he just went back into the cosmos. Well, it's subtle. It's yeah. definitely it's definitely yeah. subtle the way that it's written as far as the the. It's not a gruesome 
stabbing scene right. it's just described as he moves his hand and then that he's no longer there yeah well and i even like the description of the knife because it was like you know it was like all shiny and stuff but it's like obviously been used the way he holds it and understands it yeah. and whatnot and you're just like oh that's kind of fucked yeah I, but i i also don't blame you for blowing past that because as Meg said, it's subtle. And isn't that the whole thing of this episode is we're all – we're sort of stuck inventing a canon around it because there there's a lot of subtlety. And, and yeah. on purpose, there's a lot that's sort of left purposefully ambiguous right down to the descriptions of the men. We assume they're the same height because not short and not tall both seem to be average. Right. But we don't know – we don't know for sure what that is. Or it's just there's a real lack of description in a good way, and I enjoyed it a lot. It's it's weird to have it dropped in to the middle of the stretch. It's it's like a huge break from it all, from the the intensity. Yes, intensity very, of the Strex Corp. But then it brings yeah. back certain things that have not been dropped, but like were underlying. Like yeah. these are things that have been going on in Night Vale for. God knows how long. And now we're finding more interesting things about this whole thing. And it's freaky because you're like, what the possibly could they want with all of that? Right. You know? Yeah. Um, Joseph talks about in the intro, the script book to this episode, he talks about how he wrote this as a standalone, but because they were there was so much going on with the plot, he had to drop in some Strex plot. And so there's that Dana bit, yes. which I think is it, because it, it it really does still feel like a standalone episode, but there is, it matches the tone. So it's not jarring when we go to the other story and the woman walking through the desert, it doesn't really feel jarring because of the, the tone is similar. It's, it's almost seamless. It's almost like a dream, like that description, don't you think? It's like... They're like, oh, yes. And also this thing is going on with this woman in the desert. And it's very, but we're not talking about her, you know? Yeah. Joseph says that he thinks the episode would be better if it didn't have it in it. But sometimes you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> Which I found interesting. Yeah, and, and going back to talking about the how th- there's not really much tangible in this episode as far as descriptions go. Every, there's a lot of vagary. I found two tangible description things in it that I thought were interesting is that the, we get two very uh, strong descriptions of smell. He says the warehouse. Yeah. He describes how the warehouse smells. Um, and he describes how the diner smells. So the diner smells like rubber and bread. Yep. And the warehouse smells like rotting wood and dryer sheets. I don't think I know what rotting wood smells like, but I definitely know what dryer sheets smells like. Mm, so good. I know. Like comforting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like you want to wrap yourself up in it. I imagine it smelling kind of like a library, like old wood, kind of having that, you know. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe yeah. a little of that, but maybe also a stro- it'd be a lot stronger because it's more concentrated. Mm. I get, when I think about old wood, I think about like dusty and moldy. Right. I think it's interesting that the descriptions that we get in this episode written by Joseph are smells because he's a super smeller. <laughs> <laughs> he does. He uses smell a lot and he uses sense a lot in his writing. It's one of the patterns of his. But yeah, I always find it fun when he brings up smells because he, he sees the world through his nose. But I think that it can be a very strong sense for people, you know, like, you know what 
certain things smell like, or you can be like, oh, that's familiar to me. Why is that familiar to me? And is that a good thing or a bad thing? And I don't know, it just sets you in some sort of familiarity with the time, the place, and you can really just like sink in a little bit more to the story when you feel like surrounded by it. Yeah. Yeah. For me, like d- descriptions of smells, I think are interesting because a lot of, we do have, some of that is shared information that we have. We, we, we all know what la- dryer sheets smell like, or we all think we know what dryer sheets smell like. It could smell like something different to each right. of us, but we have that, that touch point in our minds. But I think sometimes the most specific smells are ones that you really can't describe. Like, think about, like, what did your elementary school smell like? If you were to smell it again, you'd be taken back there instantly. But what did it, like, can you really describe what the exact smell of it was in a way that's going to make someone else have that same feeling, you know? Yeah. I get really triggered by smells in a very strong way, too. Like, certain smells remind me of my mother's cooking from when I was a kid, and it makes me think... when I watch Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, which I still do as a grown adult because I'm a good person, is <laughs> I, I smell my mother's cooking because that was always dinner time. Dinner was right after Mr. Rogers. So sometimes the smell triggers the memory. Sometimes uh, something external triggers the smell memory. And all of a sudden mm. you have like the sensation of smelling it without the scent being in the air, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. What would what would be something that your mom would cook yeah. for dinner? Beef stew. Oh, oh nice. that's yeah. such a that's comforting. It's such a good yes. smelling food. Yes, it smells so good. Because it's warm, it's warming. It's like yeah. that beefy, like potatoy. Ugh. Yeah, beef, yeah. onion, carrot, and yeah, and uh, potato and celery. And we and the ladle we had the, the scoop part was triangle shaped, so the handle was at the point of the triangle. I just remember. I wish that ladle still existed. I would love to own it because so much good food came out of that ladle. That and wonton soup came out of that ladle a lot. And I those love are two. Wonton soup. Oh, so good. Oh, wonton soup. Mm. Gone but not forgotten. It's like the turkey club in the diner. Oh, yeah. It's such a it's a solid diner order. Men who are not tall, who are not short, turkey club with fries. Like that's what you're <laughs> gonna want to get at a diner. I feel like that's one of the like ten approved diner foods. Yeah. Of the diner menu that is the size of the King James yes. Bible, <laughs> where they have lobster thermidor and uh, all sorts of ridiculous shit that you never, yeah. ever get. Turkey Club is something that's like, you can get that. Is that your go-to? Every time you go to a diner, that's what you're hunting down? Sometimes. I mean, I, I, yeah, like that. It's, it's one of the ultimates for me is the Turkey Club okay. with, with fries. Top three. Top two, top three. Diner orders? Okay. A solid, like... A salad diner omelet that's nice. got like some good cheese, hash browns, toast, feeling good about yeah. that. Um, turkey club. And then, mm. I mean, yeah, the the jersey in me is the disco fries. Like that oh, was yeah. such a salad. Yeah. The, What's the, a disco fry? Disco fry is fries with gravy and cheese. Okay. Similar to a poutine? It's no, Yeah, but it's not cheese curd. It's just like melted cheese. Oh, just, oh, yeah. Okay. Reg yeah. cheese. Reg cheese. For me, uh, at breakfast time, I'm going to go corned beef hash, depending on what it's like, you know, but preferably I love a corned beef hash with like really crispy hash browns or pancakes, bacon, crispy eggs, whatever. But if I'm going to do like a sandwich, patty melt. Oh. I'm a pat. 
I'm a patty oh, milk gal. That's a good choice. I love a tuna melt. Tuna melt. Oh, oh. tuna melt. Sure. <laughs> sure. Also good. It depends on the day. With yeah. tomato. Uh, whatever I get, it's going to be prefaced by a bowl of chicken noodle soup or matzo ball soup, whichever they have. Oh, I love matzo ball soup. One is um, scrambled eggs with bacon, toasted bagel, plain, and uh, french fries, unless they're like hash browns are, are incredible. Okay. Two is like a roasted chicken with mashed potatoes and uh, vegetables on the side. You get the chicken dinner. You're the guy who gets the chicken dinner at the diner. Oh, I'll get the chicken. I'll get a chicken dinner. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> afraid. That's like number three, though. Number two is is an open faced either turkey sandwich or roast beef sandwich. Ooh. Mm. That's a good. Ooh. That's good food. And that give me the mashed potatoes. Give me some carrots and and broccoli with that. And then dessert's gonna be a slice of pie with, with oh yeah ice dessert cream on it. yeah. Uh, dessert. Well, yeah, I wasn't. I was just talking about the regular meal. Yeah, of course, the dessert is a whole different thing. Mm-hmm. For me, cherry pie number one. Good choice. Cherry pie out mode, friend. Yes. Um, or if you got a good shake, but you have to have the best shake for me to take on that lactose, ho. <laughs> yeah. Listen, ho. I need you to bring me a milkshake only if it's good. Okay, ho. Only if it's good. Oh. <laughs> no, because sometimes they be trying to fool you, and it's like too thin, or uh, yeah. like, gr- or like gritty. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like there's, it's like either too icy, yeah, or too. I'm not here for that. I also, it has to no. fill that tall, yeah. glass and blurp and, a little bit over the side. Yeah, and I want a sidecar. Bring me the sidecar. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Me, oh, if you bring me the metal thing, and it better that, be half full. Uh, Oh, yeah. If you bring me that thing, I'll be like, you're getting a real good tip. I got last Saturday was my cheat day. Cheat day coming up again. Very excited. What did you do? I went, uh, you know, we were out and about. And among the things that I ate that day, we. Did you fuck a stranger? (laughs) Gross. Uh, If by stranger you mean a Shake Shack with my mouth. Oh, sorry. Cheat day. I'm confused. It's different in my world. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't mean. I didn't mean general hospital cheat day. I meant how lovely cheat day. I, I got a uh, – I was really disappointed. I, for, it tasted great. But it, they put it in a, in a fucking shot glass. I don't want a shot glass of oh. milkshake. What? I want no. a, a milkshake – first of all, don't give me sizes. I, I'm not yeah. trying to be a little bad. I want like a, a big boy milkshake. Yeah. Give me my black and white in a giant cup. Not like – it's like the cup that they give you – in the movie theater, when you just want water, and oh, they put a milkshake in there, girl, nah, that's fucked up. That's nah. fucked up. We got to got to shut them down. That's oh, rude. I'm so mad. I'm gonna have to go that's there rude. next time and be like, yeah, you give them a piece of your mind. Can I have four of them so it's a regular size? You <laughs> monsters, hoes. Remember when the three of us shared a milkshake from White Castle, and it took us an hour and forty minutes to it eat was it? So it was so thick, like, solid, yes. but it was so good. <laughs> it was really good. I was not the mad. Three- I want it thick. It was so big, yeah. too. It was really, it really was. Thick with four C's. Yes. I should be able to t- turn the shit upside down and, like, do a pole trick with it. Are you like that with the blizzard, too, though? Because I, I want the blizzard to be a little runnier. I don't I don't like okay. when they turn it upside down. My bl- I don't want them to turn it upside down. I want my blizzard. Just give me my blizzard immediately after you get it off the whipping thing. <laughs> <laughs> they start to turn like, it upside down. You grab it. Honey, no. That's honey, not. No. We're not here just for this. Give it to me. You fool. 
I love cold sweets so much that I have a smoothie every day for breakfast and I make it so thick that I consistently burn out the uh, engine on my motor on my Vitamix. Girl, like, it's a Vitamix. I, that is I like know. a jet what? engine. Yeah. How do you burn it I out? I burn it out. Wow. I got I got to have I got to have it my way. And so yeah, I burn it out. When it, when your Vitamix engine burns out, it turns off and then it will not turn back on for another 8 hours. Wow. I do it yeah. like at least once a week I burn it out. Meg. <laughs> so it's all like, that frozen it's like, frozen fruit. <laughs> yeah. It just stops. It's like we've gone too it's too much. And then does the Vitamix smell like rubber and bread? It smells a little bit like rubber and bread. Um, I do love the smell sure of does. bread, but I hate the smell of rubber. Yeah. So yeah. forget bad. that moonlight all night. Diner. Sometimes diners smell. A lot of times diners smell like dirty dishwater. Right? They shouldn't. It, it should smell like yeah, fried, but they do. fried food and pancakes. They stopped smelling like cigarettes, though. That's for years. Yeah. So they smell like Ugh. cigarettes. Yeah, like they put the non-smoking booth right next to a smoking booth. Like, do you know? It didn't matter. Yeah. At the Tiffany Diner in Philly, they had a whole room for the smokers. There was like a hub area where there was a bar and the the hostess stand and the the checkout, the cashier. So you didn't have to be in the smoking area. You could you could have a cleaner meal. But now thankfully that does not exist anymore. But man, that was the worst. Ugh. I smoked so many thousands of packs of cigarettes in diners. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry to everyone who was in those diners with me who did not smoke. Because it's disgusting. <laughs> it's not until you quit smoking that you realize how absolutely disgusting smoking is. And you're like, oh, God. Yeah. I can't believe I did this to the world. Yeah. Um, speaking of did this to the world. We did it. What a fucked up episode, guys. Yeah. Really, it's a, it's a it, really interesting standalone. Made me think a yeah. lot about the systems by which people become parts of systems. Yeah. You know? I just wrote in all like capitals. It's like this is how they change jobs. <laughs> yeah, you get kidnapped, and the next thing you know, you're a man who isn't tall or short. One thing I found though interesting was Cecil's even commentary on himself. Though he said, "Even the man on the radio does not know why he changes the story or where this other story comes from." He does not always understand everything he does. Sometimes he does understand, but he hides it from you. I was like... Some foreshadowing for the next episode. Yeah. Ready for it. You know what else I'm ready for? <laughs> A conversation with Eliza Rickman, who's this episode's weather? Yes! Stay right there. Good Morning Night Vale will return after a brief break. That's the sound of me smelling my own armpit because I smell like a coconut vanilla cookie. And I smell like that because of native deodorant. Good Morning Night Vale is very pleased to be able to offer you 20% off of your first purchase of native deodorant by going to nativedeodorant.com and entering promo code GOODMORNING at checkout. I find myself very lucky to live in a time in history when deodorant exists. Think about how bad George Washington must have smelled and be grateful that you don't have to go anywhere near that. I don't want you to be stinky. I want you to smell great. And I want you to do that without endangering your body with harsh chemicals. Native deodorant can do that for you. Their products are naturally formulated and aluminum free. So you're not gonna be slowly poisoned by your own armpits. You're gonna have to find another way to die. 
And while you're finding that other way to die, you will smell great with a naturally derived deodorant that actually works. Native deodorant is not tested on animals, so no narwhals, which are real, will be injured for you to smell awesome. Visit nativedeodorant.com, use promo code GOODMORNING, and don't smell like George Washington. Do you have trouble getting the sleepies like I do, having a good night's sleep, like a full night's sleep? Let me introduce you to Feels, which is the premium CBD delivered directly to your doorstep. If you're like me and you have trouble, if you have stress, if you have anxiety, pain, or sleeplessness, then you just put a few drops of Feels under your tongue and you'll feel the difference within minutes. And if you're like me and you are new to CBD like I was, they offer a free CBD hotline to help guide your personal experience. Feels has me feeling my best every day and it can help you too. Become a member today by going to feels.com slash good morning and you'll get 50% off your first order with free shipping. That's F-E-A-L-S dot com slash good morning to become a member and get 50% automatically taken off your first order with free shipping. Feels.com slash good morning. with us the weather for this episode the lovely and talented eliza rickman yay yay hi hi we're always so excited to see you i know i am excited to see you guys too um so eliza this was your first appearance as the weather Mm -hmm. how like how did you get involved with night veil can you tell us about that Mm -hmm. um it was kind of a fluke accident thing. Um, I had just gone through a really rough time getting out of this very lighthearted talk, some like an emotionally abusive relationship that was very traumatizing. And um, that happened in Portland, Oregon. And I was like, just kind of scrambling to get myself out, out of there and back to how my life had been before, which meant going on tour and like driving around the country in my car. And literally the day after I found out that this guy had played me so hard, I got a text from Jason Webley and he was like, hey, have you heard of Welcome to Night Vale? And I was like, no, but I I didn't know what a podcast was back then. <laughs> uh, no one and did. He, yeah, it, I mean, this was like five years ago, which is an eternity ago now in like te- technology, internet age. I responded when I saw the text and I was like, no. Um, and he told me that they needed somebody to fill in on five nights uh, for the live shows, someone to be the weather Mm -hmm. because uh, our lovely friends, Danny Schmidt and Carrie Elkin wanted to be at South by Southwest for five nights during a tour where they were otherwise the only musical guest. And I was like, hell yeah, I can do it. It just, it worked out perfectly. I happened to have those five or six days free and I didn't care about South by Southwest. So (laughs) I, um, I remember adding the tour dates to my like social media pages that I was going to be opening for Welcome to Night Vale. And all my like nerdtastic friends were blowing up my phone <laughs> and the and the links like, what? You're going to be the weather? And I was like, what are you talking about? Like the weather? Um, and I, I had every intention of looking it up, but I just like never did. I met up. <laughs> I met up with them in Houston for my first night with them and 
it was magical. And Jason had told me that Night Vale fans would probably love me. And he told me to bring a lot of merch. And I was like, okay. But I still wasn't quite prepared for <laughs> for what happened. Right. Um, I remember standing next to Meg selling merch. And I only had this like little itty bitty envelope, like something you mail like a thank you card in. And I was just like shoving 20s in there. And she was like concerned, like all your money is about to fall out of there. But I just didn't know I'd be like connecting with um, their lovely audience. And then we did, uh, so that was Houston, Dallas, Oklahoma City. I remember oh, Oklahoma right. City because we hung out. We hung out in that lovely hotel after that show. Yeah, um, that was actually there's... really nice. Yeah, it was across from the Botanic Gardens. Yes, um, and then Lawrence, Kansas, and St. Louis, Missouri. Yeah, and um, and then that that was it. Those were my five days, and it felt like a really amazing experience. And I I felt like the experience was so intense in a good way for me that I I felt like the universe was like rewarding me for taking <laughs> care of myself and getting away from a terrible person um and for and like for prioritizing my career again and I felt honestly even though I'd been performing for years already I felt like oh I've actually finally found my people like whatever this is these are my people <laughs> they get me they appreciate me and um and I remember going about my merry way and then like a week or two, not not more than two weeks later, I got an email from Joseph asking if they could use Pretty Little Head as the weather. And I remember I was in the middle of street performing in Knoxville and nobody cared about me. I was not making any money, but I did not give a fuck. Am I allowed to curse? Yeah, <laughs> yes. <please. Okay. laughs> we don't fucking care. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I figured like you, you know me, so you know how I speak. Uh, yeah, I didn't give a fuck because I was like, I was jumping up and down because I was like, oh my God, I'm going to be on the podcast too. How sweet. And I was just really honored. And also when I texted a good friend of mine to tell him that he was like, oh my God, that's really cool. And I guess I can't know this for sure, but this friend, Avery, he'd listened to some interviews with Jeffrey and Joseph and he was like, I'm pretty sure they've said that they've they've had the weather picked out like for a year in advance. So they probably like moved some stuff around to fit you in there. <laughs> and I don't know if that's true, but I like to think it is maybe. <laughs> um, I've listened to the episode. I think it's a good fit. The vibe. Agreed. The song. Agreed. Yeah. 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 We, have, uh, for, we have a letter from a fan. Uh, they Aww. emailed uh, Kristen wrote to us and said, hi, Hal, Meg, and Symphony. They didn't know that you were going to be on the show. So. Uh-huh. Uh, hope I'm not too late. Uh, for this episode, because it's my absolute favorite, my headcanon is that no one is allowed to describe what the men look like, so they need to be described only by what they are not. I love the weird, creepy vibe it gives changing a descriptor we're familiar with just enough. Also, when the radio changes to describing Dana in the desert, it seems like foreshadowing to her being mayor, with her being described as a leader with the masked army following her. Mm-hmm. And not a head cannon, but Pretty Little Head is my absolute favorite weather in Night Vale. I bought it right after I listened to the episode for the first time. Continue to do your great work, and all your laughs are contagious, and I love listening to your tangents, <laughs> especially the food ones from Alice. Uh, <laughs> Alice in Scotland. Yay. Alice got their dad into Night Vale, uh, a member uh-huh. of the Glasgow show. 
That's um, adorable. And then we have another one that says, dear everyone, uh, my favorite weather of all time was Eliza Rickman's pretty little head. She was touring with you guys when you came to Tampa with all hail. And as I uh, hadn't bothered to check in advance who the weather segment would be for the show, I was delightfully surprised and found out in that moment that it was Eliza Rickman. And in a stroke of wonderfully good luck, I happened to be in the second row right in front of where she was performing. It was such a treat getting to experience the show that close up and the absolute silence from the audience when she was playing her glockenspiel question mark was yes. amazing. <laughs> it, was my absolute, it was my absolute favorite of all the live shows. Love you guys. Aww. And that's from Kristen. Thanks. Yeah. yeah, that so. was a special show. I remember the Tampa show very well. <laughs> Don't the fans just make you feel so mushy? Yes. I mean, yeah. that experience, like, what was that experience like for you meeting these people and uh, seeing what an impact that your music makes on them? Um, honestly, at the risk of sounding cheesy, it makes me feel like I'm fulfilling my purpose in life, you know? Because- That's not cheesy at all. I mean, I know that I would continue to make art no matter how many people cared or were listening to it, but there's there's something about, especially in person, like having a person come up to you after a show and, and just be like, your music means so much to me, or I've had people say it inspired me to become a music major in college. I had one guy email me or send it, he sent a Facebook message and he was like, he was, he was at one of the Night Vale shows. I want to say it was Oklahoma city. And he told me that he has this, like, I don't think he called it a disorder and I'm not sure what to call it, but he has a thing where music doesn't really affect him. Okay. But he said that he cried during my <sighs> performance and like, I mean, I live for that. Yeah. Like, that's amazing. You know? And it's not the compliments. It's the like, Oh my God, I made something that made a difference to him to all these people. I kind of divide my career in half. There was like pre-Night Vale where I was like, I don't know if any of the shows I'm playing matter. I don't know if there's like a market for what I do. And then post-Night Vale where I was like, oh yeah, there are people like my shit. It's just a matter of like getting it to the right people, playing in front of the right people. Oh man. And we love, you toured a heck of a lot with us from those those first five dates spiraled into tracing (laughs) all over North America and Europe. And one of my favorite memories of your performance was we were in Copenhagen um, and it was like like one of the worst days of tour where like we, John John and Cecil lost their bags. We had to go, Mm -hmm. our flight was delayed. We had to go right from the airport to the venue. Um, the venue was cool, but it was like, everything was hard. And like, there was like, we were trying to figure out the weird kroner and like, but you were like starting to get sick and you absolutely like was such an incredible, I remember standing stage right next to John and, and you started singing and your voice hit the room and it reverberated back and it sounded so amazing. I like got shivers and I was like, oh, holy shit. Um, yeah. It was when you were, uh, it was when you were doing the Bowie cover, uh, the Let's Dance. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh wow, this like hurts it so good. Um, so it was like <laughs> that, that shining star and it was a really shit day on tour, but it was like, oh, we're doing something that's like yeah. really cool. And sh- like, yeah. It, yeah, it was really, it was just a really, and then we stood out in the snow because it was snowing in October when we were waiting for that van to take us two hours to our hotel that we the got hotel to. The hotel that wouldn't let us in. That wouldn't let us in. <laughs> and then when we got there, there were like, it was just like everything was all fucked up. I had to like climb a hill with Kate Jones because we didn't want to share a bed. <laughs> and you, you and Teresa were like, we don't care. We're so tired. No. We're going to share a bed. <laughs> no, she was such a perfect uh, tour roommate for me. We, get, we giggled so much. And we were just like exhausted all the time, I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
that was a rough one that tour but yeah I loved it though I loved it so much it was a good one yeah I remember insisting Mm -hmm. on hiring Teresa Teresa is the Mm -hmm. Australian tour manager uh, merch person and she's incredible and it was my first time tour managing Europe and I was like I need someone who's like the best of the best we're flying Teresa from Australia to Europe and we did and it was so worth it she was really glad Yes, and now she is my friend, yeah. my real life friend. <laughs> but that's the great thing about tour, uh, touring together is that you become fast friends uh, with people. Yeah, because not because you have to, but because Mm-mm. they're also really we're also super sweet, awesome, fun people. Yeah, and I look. We've said this a million times before, but I feel like uh, Night Vale in general has drawn so many wonderful people together mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. through this awesome artistic pursuit. So let's talk about Pretty Little Head for a second. I remember like that was a newer song, right? When it was already, it was already out for two years before it was featured, but new to most people. But yeah, that was, that was for my first album, which came out in 2012. It's a damn good album. Thank you. Still listen to it today. It's a spooky one. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually one of the only things um, that's actually downloaded onto uh-huh. my, you know, because usually, you know, I have Spotify and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's all very impermanent, yeah. but like, mm-hmm. it's one of the only things. So like, if we're on the road and we ever like lose um, internet connection, we can yes. listen to you or Dessa. <laughs> <laughs> what an honor. Yeah. Thank you. It still makes for a pretty slapping playlist. I'm just going to tell yeah. you. Yeah. Thank it's you. always a good time. Another thing I was going to mention is that because it was 2014 when that episode came out, people bought the shit out of that song and that album. I made so, I mean, I don't want to sound like I'm not rich, but I made like so much money those next couple of months just from that song being on Night Vale. And I know that because of like Spotify and streaming, Mm -hmm. that has changed, you know? So I I felt like it was cool to see like financial benefits and see where it was coming from um, that year. Well, and it was nice in that same vein um, because of all the streaming services and Mm -hmm. things like that. um, What is the best, since you're a DIY artist, right? Mm -hmm. You manage, produce, do all your stuff, get your name out there, put your Mm -hmm. music out yourself. Um, How do people support artists like yourself, Eliza? Well, streaming pays Virtually nothing, which I don't think is a secret. Um, I don't hate Spotify. I think it's very handy dandy and I enjoy using it myself, but it's impossible to make money that way. iTunes is fine. I see uh, I see that money usually like f- three or four months later. Um, Bandcamp is, I think, where the people who understand just how like DIY AF I am, right. uh, that's where they go to download or order hard copies of um, my albums. And, you know, I've, I was just thinking about this recently. I've had a lot of just people like come out of the woodwork and like send me $100 donations here and there, like a, a 50 or 100 or 200, just like, just to let, I think it's because I don't have a Patreon and they want- oh, okay. They, they want to help me survive. I don't have a day job. I, I probably should have gotten one a long time ago, but I still don't. Um, Same, sister. Yeah. I'm working on 
Well, yeah, it's not a secret. I, I was struggling with some like mental, emotional health stuff that started last year um, related to PTSD from that terrible relationship. It just kind of like it all came tumbling down on me now that I'm in a really good relationship. I'm having to deal with all my baggage. And um, I haven't been nearly as productive as I was prior to that. And so I'm working right now on like just getting things projects that need to be wrapped up mm-hmm. out there. One of them being the covers album, the never ending covers Looking album. Looking forward and to it. I am too. I mean, what we have is gorgeous. And uh, um, the Kickstarter backers, if they're listening, who pledged to that, they already have nine out of 11 finished songs. Mm-hmm. So I, I mean, it's slow, but it's not like I've forgotten about it. <laughs> and, um, and then the Pretty Little Head music video, there's still some like Kickstarter goodies that I need to send out. So I'm kind of focused on that right now. Cool. And that's another reason why I'm like, I can't have a day job. Then I wouldn't be able to do that shit. <laughs> and how would people donate to you through your website, through? Uh, I don't think there's, I don't think there's a donate button on my website and I should fix that. People tend to just send me like a PayPal or a Venmo um, donation once in a while. I mean, my email is easy. It's Eliza at ElizaRickman.com. Great. Yeah. Yeah. So you can reach out to Eliza and you can send her some financial love if you're, if you're baller or, you know, you appreciate what she does. So I I definitely appreciate what you do. Thank Um, you. Also, yeah, listen to Eliza's music. If you haven't already listened to Pretty Little Head because it's in the episode, but yeah, you have a lot of really, really terrific songs for different moods and times and things. Like there's, there yeah, you really, really run the emotional gamut and the tempo and tone gamut with your catalog. So I personally like to prance around in the underbrush, um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> listening to your music <laughs> like a woodland nymph. Yay! Also, I remember that's yeah. what you said to me when, like, around the time we first met, you were like, "Your look is like a fairy that just rolled out from under a bush." <laughs> It's and true. I love that. It's true. I it was not an insult. No, it so no much. way isn't an insult. It's it's <laughs> quite the compliment, actually. Yeah. Yeah. And if you get the chance, uh, if if Eliza's ever in your city, definitely get on Eliza's mailing list. Um, yes. So if you uh, run into her on the road, go see her. She puts on an incredible show, and you can get a visual on the wood nymph that rolled out from under a bush. <laughs> yeah. And get mm-hmm. silly stories and jokes between songs. Yeah. I hear that's a fun part of the show. Yeah, that banter. Someone's always paying for that banter, baby. That's my whole job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Professional banterer. Thank you so much for doing our podcast. Thank you so much for touring the world with us. Thank you so much for uh, Thank you being for being a, a friend. Of course. Thank you. We love cool. you. We love, love you. I miss you so much. Folks, we did it. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks to all of you who are patrons on Patreon. Those of you who are not that are like, what? You can do that? Yes, you can. You go to patreon.com forward slash goodmorningnightvale to support us there. We'd really appreciate it. Next time, when you hear us, we'll be discussing episode 46. That is parade day. But until then, good morning, Night Vale. Good morning. Good morning. 
Good Morning Night Vale is a Night Vale Presents production. It is hosted by Symphony Sanders, Hal Lublin, and Meg Bashwinner. It is edited by Grant Stewart. It is mixed by Vincent Cachione. It is produced by Meg Bashwinner. Theme music by Disparition. Special thanks to our guest this week, Eliza Rickman. Leave us a voicemail at 929-277-2050 or email us at info at goodmorningnightvale.com to share your theories and ask questions or to share your tips and tricks for back-to-school blood sacrifice. This show is powered by our patrons like Amy Rowland, Joshua Hall, Hannah Long, Howard Shelfer, and Greg Stovall. If you're interested in supporting this show for lots of fun, exclusive, hyper-cool kid content, check us out at patreon.com slash goodmorningnightvale. For more information on this show, go to goodmorningnightvale.com and follow us on Facebook and on Twitter at Nightvale Chat. Special thanks to Christy Gressman, Jeffrey Craner, Joseph Fink, and Adam Cecil. Today's adverb is mistakenly. In the last episode's credits, I mistakenly said that uneaten was an adverb. It is not. Do you ever make mistakes? Do you like yourself? Like yourself. 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 High above Paris, near the very top of the Eiffel Tower, here an all-new adventure featuring this janitor. I can come? These stagehands. Jack! Letitia! And this drunken, out-of-control diva. Flattery will get you nowhere except my dressing room. The Orbiting Human Circus in Naughty Till New Year's. Listen now from WNYC Studios and Night Vale Presents.